0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. This is our last race before summer break, and all of the silliness gets underway, even though it has already started pre hungry with the Daniel Ricardo DeVries drama, as we're all well aware. We will dive into our traditional preview and then give you all our predictions for what might be in store this coming month regarding contracts and all of that silliness. Spa is my favorite circuit, so I'm super excited. It's also another sprint race, so lots of action ahead. With that, I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa.
1: And I'm Sarah. Getting into the Belgian GP preview Spa plus another sprint race this weekend. So with this format, just a reminder, there'll be quality on Friday to set the Sunday grid. And then Saturday is kind of a standalone event with the sprint shootout and then the sprint. It's such a famous and classic track. It offers so much. The drivers absolutely love it, though it's come under a lot of well-deserved criticism for safety reasons, especially the famous Uroge Radion combination, which we'll talk about.
0: For the circuit, it is in Eastern Belgium in the countryside, very close to the German border. It's a little bit like Austria in that it's a bit harder to get to, but super beautiful in the countryside. It is 44 laps, 7 kilometers, 2 DRS zones. The lap record is held by our King Botas from 2018. It's actually the longest lap on the F1 calendar, has the most elevation change of any track, so there is a lot going on. And like Sarah mentioned, the most famous part of the circuit is the Eau Rouge Radion combination. So after the tough hairpin at turn one, which is La Source, the drivers race down a straight to the point where the track crosses the Eau Rouge stream for the first time, where they're launched into a super steep uphill into a sweeping sort of left, right, left series of corners with a blind summit. So losing control through that section can often lead to a really heavy shunt where drivers can lose the rear and be hit
2: laterally. So getting into a little bit of the history and background of this track, it actually has a very long and fascinating one at that. So the original circuit was designed in the 1920s and it was notoriously very, very dangerous. It was one of the seven tracks to be the first on the calendar for F1 in 1950. And of course, because of the the danger of the initial layout, there has been a lot of modifications over the years. In 1969, the Belgian Grand Prix was boycotted by the F1 drivers because of that extreme danger. There has been or there had been 10 fatalities in total at the track in the 60s alone, including five in just two years before that. So we're kind of coming full circle now with a lot of safety complaints and drivers speaking out about the things that need to change.
1: And as as we quickly mentioned, there have been a lot of safety concerns at this track, which we've talked about. Some of the more recent incidents, Antoine Hubert, who was a very talented F2 driver who was Really close with some drivers on the current grid like Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly. He died in 2019 during an F2 race. He was a French driver from Lyon. And this is kind of the the classic safety scenario as we've sadly seen repeated. A driver crashed at Radion, which started a sequence of events where Hubert was totally unable to avoid hitting a car in front of him. He hit the barriers, and got thrown back out on the track and then got T-boned at super high speed. So that's the type of accident where it, even with the modernization of the cars, if there's kind of a car just in the middle of the track that gets T-boned at high speed, it's it's really hard to even kind of make the side structures of the car strong enough to withstand that. So I personally think this track needs to change. He was super... Um, close with Gasly, who brought a really nice tribute to him. And then, as many of you know, this year, Delano Hoff died this year during a Formula Regional European Championship race. We talked about this in a recent episode. He was only 18 years old. And very similarly, he was involved in a really bad crash at the radio exit. He was thrown back out onto the track and basically T-boned at high speed. And Stroll spoke really, partially about it, saying Spa needed to change. Max also spoke about it, saying um, less about the track and more saying that there really needs to be a reevaluation of when drivers are sent out in heavy rain and kind of zero visibility conditions because the spray was really extreme when the Van Hoff
2: crash happened. Yeah, so tragic. Let's jump into last year's race before we go team by team. So Max drove P14 to P1, which is Basically, all you need to know, it's pretty classic from him, epic drive, um, but it's definitely a classic max drive. He started P14 due to grid penalties, and then Checo rounded out that race with a Red Bull 1-2. The main drama for this race last year was lap one when Lewis and Alonso had a scuffle, which literally launched Hamilton into the air, causing him to retire. And <laughs> we'll do a nice little throwback to last year's Radio of the Week for this race, which was, quote, This guy only knows how to drive starting first from you-know-who, a.k.a. Alonso. He also waved at Lewis's stopped car on the next lap. So high levels of pettiness. Um, Meanwhile, of course, Lewis was a class act as always. And last thing for the race last year here, uh, Carlos got pole at Spa here, um, but was bested by the Red Bulls, finishing P3, which is actually pretty good considering where Ferrari has been this year. And Charles got unlucky with damage and had to pit under the safety car on lap two. That was caused by Bottas spinning out to avoid Latifi uh, throwback there. But he managed to recover to drive P5. All right. Getting into the team. So for
0: Red Bull, Red Bull will likely continue to Red Bull as they always do. They had a pretty significant bodywork upgrade in Hungary and they are expecting Spa to suit the car even more. So we'll see if that means a 40-second win. I don't know. We talked a lot about Checo's performance and potential future on the Hungarian recap uh, this earlier this week. But this will be a time for him to shine and really prove himself, not just during the race, but during quali. He really needs a clean, strong weekend heading into the break. And about them breaking the the win record, Christian Horner was pretty emotional about breaking that McLaren record, saying that when he was younger, he remembers watching Elaine Prost and Senna achieve that. So it means a ton to him and the, to the team to have broken that record. And then, of course, the other Red Bull piece of news is the Max Verstappen Heineken ad. Sarah, we need all of your opinions and thoughts on that, <laughs> on his acting debut.
1: I I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was a pretty creative ad. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely Google it. I really, really like that Heineken is promoting Heineken Zero so much. I really kind of like it as a concept. And in Miami, when we were with... Heineken, everyone was so nice. Also, really into Heineken Zero, so I loved it. I'm personally, I love Heineken, and <laughs> it, it does not need to be said that I'm a Red Bull and Max fan. So I, I personally really trifecto the for you. <laughs> yeah, for Ferrari, despite the absolute chaos that was hungry for them, they're definitely still in the mix in terms of speed potential. They just Really need to put together a clean weekend. I think more so just for the morale than for the points, especially if there's potential contracts to s- contract discussions coming up. I think they really need to show Charles and Carlos that they can keep it together. And for Mercedes, it'll be interesting to see how Spa suits the car. As we discussed, it's just really about consistency for them and figuring out what in the world is going on. So. Who knows? This would be a good track for them. We'll see. Toto said after Hungary that he thinks they had the second quickest car, but that results didn't show it. Um, I guess if you look at George's kind of amazing drive from Q one elimination all the way back up into the points, that might have been true. But Lewis just did not have the pace versus the McLarens. So Lewis asked if the engine was turned down. So that's when you know one thing. One thing that was yeah, seriously. One thing that was interesting was Spanners, who was amazing, we've had on as a guest, he was on the Ringer podcast and he was saying Mercedes has really chronically had issues with cooling, even through multiple generations of cars. So he thinks it it potentially is true that they're not, it's not as simple as quote unquote turning the engine down, but kind of needing to make adjustments for cooling purposes. So we will see. Fingers crossed
0: yeah. you, Tiggy. I would love to see a great weekend for them heading into summer break, but we'll see. It seems unpredictable.
1: And what is up with the Lewis contract? We will, ha- we
0: will talk about this during our Silly Season predictions. I... Toto just really they all need to stop teasing us and just show us the receipts like we're days away not weeks away and like emotionally this thing is a done deal it's like well show me the paper (laughs) until I see a paper I'm going to be sweating every night that Hamilton's retiring not
2: actually but come on anyway. So Alpine, Akon had an amazing drive at Spa last year so we can we can just hope he'll repeat that. They need a good weekend. They, like we mentioned in the recap, they're 40 points behind McLaren now in constructors for fifth. So hopefully they'll be able to pull out a good result. But both Gasly and Acon said after Hungary that they have, quote, new competitors. And that's definitely feeling true. For McLaren, we are really hoping this is Piastri's
0: time to shine here for him to grab his maiden podium in F1. I think barring an unlucky safety car or maybe car damage, we are feeling hopeful. If you listen to our interview with him, you know that spa is his favorite track. So how amazing would it be for his first podium to be there in Spa? It would be really, really awesome. And I feel like I feel like he's just about there. It really just needs to come together luck-wise for him. And I I think he's got
1: it definitely his driving's definitely there for alfa romeo is pretty encouraging to see their quality performance in hungary with joe's best ever quality result in p5 even if we were disappointed in joe's slip up during the race that car problems off the line the race ended up being uh, very very challenging for both cars but definitely optimistic because clearly there's some good raw speed in that car and we have this stealthy Botos lap yes, record on this track. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this could be a big Botas That would be
0: weekend. amazing. For AlphaTauri, it was right before SPA last year, Rewind, that Danny and McLaren, quote, mutually agreed to terminate his contract. And look how far we have come. <laughs> last year wow. at SPA, Danny sadly had a P7 to P15 drive. So we're hoping for a better year for him this year. He definitely needs to prove he has consistency along, you know, with another strong drive. I think it's quite a different track, but he seemed very happy after his hungry performance. So hoping good vibes into this race and he can continue to perform Yuki, on the other hand, definitely has something to prove here, so curious how he will fight back. He definitely doesn't have the experience and the tenure in Formula One that Danny has, but he is more used to the the AlphaTauri and has had more time to kind of master the car. So we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting to watch them sort of duke it out the rest of the season. But in other AlphaTauri news, they announced that their documentary uh, called Whatever It Takes will be premiering in Venice on September 6th and then on their YouTube channel following that. I'm very curious what that is going to be like. It's an interesting title. (laughs) Whatever It Takes, I guess, firing rookies.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You think that's part of the film? (laughs) Probably not. For Haas, Hulkenberg has been giving us lots to smile about during quali, but it's yet to translate super well on race day. And Gunther's book Driving or Surviving to Drive is now available in the US, so we will absolutely be reading it. You all should as well. For Aston Martin, both Alonso and Stroll had a decent race last weekend, but the pace again has just not been there lately compared to other cars. Aston Martin did announce that Stoffel van Dorn, a Belgian driver who's won the Formula E title, will be taking the wheel this weekend or on August 1 and 2 after the GP for tire tests. He's a reserve driver alongside Felipe Drugovich, and some people are wondering where Felipe is for all of this. He is last year's F2 winner and actually widely considered a potential great. Wrapping up here, so Williams, there their speed and the car's aero efficiency could actually be really good at spa. So hopefully we'll see some good stuff from then.
0: All right. Into our hot takes and predictions. For me, I am going to go with an Oscar podium. I'm going to keep it short, sweet, simple. That's what I would like to see this weekend.
1: For me, I ooh, I don't know. I also really want to see an Oscar podium, but since There's already some manifestation energy towards that. I think I'm going to go for just a clean, strong Ferrari weekend.
0: That's good. That's
1: hot. (laughs) It's hot, but I just really feel like the team badly needs it. They need to kind of reinstill some confidence in Charles and Carlos that they have it under control. So we're going with a clean weekend.
2: I'm going to say my hot take this weekend, I'm going to say is going to be both alpines in the points going to throw them a bone and i'm also going to throw the ferraris a bone and say they're both top 5 i feel like that's a that's a really hot one
0: for news this week, Porsche has announced a pivot away from Formula One and instead will continue to focus on Formula E. We already kind of saw the writing on the wall there. There, I don't think there just was an official announcement on the Porsche F1 future, but they had had difficulty finding a partner. Um, so they have extended their commitment in Formula E until the end of Gen three cycle in 2026, and they've had some really good success in Formula E, and I think it also dovetails well with their electric ambitions just as a car maker in general. So exciting. Um, yeah, happy to see Porsche still involved in Formula E. Sad we won't see another team in the mix in F1, but that's okay.
1: And as we mentioned, drivers are really continuing to push for big safety changes at SPA. So really hoping that uh, kind of the the track and F1 are listening to all the drivers since they, of course, know best. And hopefully um, there isn't rain or kind of other tricky conditions this weekend, because as we've seen recently, it can get very dangerous very quickly. So just hoping that it's a safe weekend for everyone.
2: So... Last week, there had been some talks around the potential return of engine equalization, which which basically came about because there has been some talks or some data showing that potentially there is a huge disparity between current manufacturers, specifically Alpine, that its Renault engine is just really not on par with its rivals. And they're saying that it could be almost upwards of 30 horsepowers down from its other competitors so the fya was going to talk about it there was a lot of support from other teams specifically christian horner but it looks like most recently they have tabled those conversations women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that we've been loving hormone harmony from happy mammoth who's committed to making women's lives easier Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. Happy. Okay friends, it's festival and concert season and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Takovas your number one place for festival style this spring and don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Takovas; They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break-in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Takova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized and with regular live music and events, there's really no in store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tacovas.com, T E C O V A S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today okay and now for the moment we've all been
0: waiting for silly season it did arrive early this year with the danny devries drama that seemed to come out of nowhere but here we are and now we're entering the real official silly season and for those who are newer to formula one silly season usually happens during the summer break uh around in and around the august time frame where a lot of contract discussions and news start happening so last year this was sort of when the whole oscar piastri and vettel retiring and alonso switching teams bombshell happened and we've had lots of crazy silly seasons over the years but we're gonna dive into what we think might happen or be in store for us this year ladies what are our thoughts
2: Well, before we before we do that, let like let's let's talk about the teams or the drivers that don't have contracts, because um, that'll help, I think. So number one, Tiggy, <laughs> tiggy number one, Hamilton oh, well, does not have a contract, but we can probably assume he's locked and loaded. Um, other drivers without contracts, so we have Joe at Alpha Romeo, um, Haas with Magnussen, tari has both drivers not having contracts for next year. So Danny and Yuki, Um, Aston Martin, Stroll does not have um, a contract or it's an unknown contract length. So it's kind of up in the air. And then Williams has a seat, aka Sargent does not have a contract yet.
1: And then in terms of the rest of the drivers, a lot of them are kind of locked in for after 2024, 2024 plus. So that's a lot of the top drivers, Carlos, Charles, Russell, Ocon, Gasly, Alonso. Plus, Hulkenberg got a multi-year deal when he returned, Albon, Oscar, and then a couple drivers extend even farther. Lando and Botox are 2025, and Max is 2028. or even if he wanted to keep driving for Red Bull when he's 50, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure there'd be a way to have that happen Brad Pitt style. Um, But even as we're reciting all these contract years, as we know very well from McLaren last year, from the Alpine drama, from Nick DeVries contracts do not necessarily mean you are having a contract does not necessarily mean you are either guaranteed that seat or don't have any optionality to leave. So I guess kind of out of some of these drivers with longer contracts, who do we think might be in the territory of trying to sneak out a year early?
0: (laughs) So we've talked a lot about Checo. Um, I don't know if his would be considered sneaking out (laughs) if he were to lose his seat. Um, But he's definitely someone that people have their eye on for will he get that Red Bull seat for 2024. We know Red Bull is a tough place for a second driver and Checo has definitely not performed as well as he has probably hoped and we all have hoped this year. The other two that are chatted about sometimes we hear whispers of. Just the Ferrari boys, Charles and Carlos, they both have deals through 2024, but as we know, there has been some, some tough things happening at Ferrari this season, but also last season. They opened the season really strongly, and then it all has kind of fallen apart since then, so... It it has to be frustrating for them, so they are potentially in uh in the running for people who might be looking elsewhere if there is an option. I would. Do you think anyone else? I would also
2: add. Uh, lately, the Alpine boys, so maybe Alcon and Gasly are looking looking elsewhere as well, or could be looking elsewhere because of the frustrations. I mean, it hasn't been as long term and consistent in the in the level of Ferrari, but definitely they might be picking their heads up or trying to. Trying to see what's going on, (laughs) though.
1: So I guess starting at the top of the grid, say, which I personally think is going to happen, I personally do not think Checo's seat is secured for 2024. I think if Danny Rick continues on the trend of really outperforming AlphaTauri, if we get some solid point finishes, I think Danny's a contender for that seat even next year. But what do you all think about his security? And then if it's not (laughs) secure, um, who would be a candidate to fill that seat in 2024?
0: I agree that it's not fully secure. I still think Checo will get that seat. I I really love Danny, as I said a million times, but I think it's no secret at this point that I don't think he's ready for a Red Bull 2024 seat. I think it's just a lot very quickly, and it would be one of the most amazing returns, I think, in F1 history to basically go from being fired or dropped from McLaren to having a Red Bull seat in a year. Insane. Um I think that would be pretty crazy, and he would have to pull out some really amazing results in the next six months to make that happen. But it's definitely not impossible. As we've said before with Red Bull, I feel like anything is possible. But I do think on balance, Checo will keep the seat more just because there's not really a viable alternative right now. I don't see Charles or Carlos going to that seat. I I just think it's in, – in, in terms of rookies – or potential newcomers. I mean there's Liam Lawson, but he didn't get the AlphaTauri seat, so I doubt he'll get the Red Bull seat over Checo. I think it's a, it's a hard it's a hard thing to think about for anyone else to take Checo's seat at the moment.
1: Well, Tiggy, what do you think about Yuki?
0: I I've said this before. I I think Yuki has done some really amazing things with the the AlphaTauri car, which we know is not the fastest on the grid and quite the opposite. I personally don't know if Yuki is ready to to take Checo's seat and perform better. Like we said, I think part of it is I totally agree. A, it's just I don't know the right word. It's not really demeanor, but it's it's the need for a level head and calm to be a Red Bull number two. In a way that Botas was for Mercedes, like we talked about on the Hungarian Grand Prix recap, and Checo, I feel like has been for Max. You know, he hasn't performed as well, but he is calm, cool, collected, pretty much there when he needs to be for the most part. I just don't see Yuki being ready for that.
2: This is th- this is such a hard one for me because it's not like a, a simple swap and swap and play. Like there's so many things to consider. I think. Tiki, I think I'm going to go with you and say next year, I think Checo's good. 2025, it's anyone's guess. But if anything crazy were to happen, I think it would be Danny over Yuki. But I don't – since we are saying anything can happen, I still kind of feel like potentially – I don't know. Charles has been especially, especially frustrated. So – there's nowhere else that he would really, – like, if, you, if you're looking at the teams that I was just saying have seats, like Williams, Aston Martin, Tyree Haas, Alfa Romeo, like, I don't think Charles would go to any of those teams, maybe Aston Martin, but I feel like that's a stretch because Stroll probably has the seat. So the only team that would be maybe good enough for Charles would be Red Bull, but I think that would be, like, such a crazy, silly season mix-up.
1: <laughs> that would be insane. Yeah, I don't think Charles – I don't think Charles would leave unless it's for – Red Bull, Mercedes, or McLaren, maybe if they keep up the the performance they've been having. But like we were saying, McLaren's very much locked and loaded. They have two uber high performing young drivers with long term contracts. I think they're I think they're totally um, solid. Something I can think of is if there's a shock Hamilton retirement.
0: Yeah, I am not even entertaining oh God, that take. thought, but. <sighs> I it is you never know it's possible I don't think that's the case but there has been a very very small rumor percolating around that I don't think is is going to play out that Oscar could be in contention for the Red Bull seat for the second Red Bull seat in check for Checo which I don't think will play out just given I think McLaren has started to to live, to deliver a much better car it's Oscar's first year we know it has been tough on Red Bull second seat drivers, especially people who are younger to the game that get kind of chewed up and spit out. And I personally don't want to put Oscar in that position. I think he has the talent, but I feel like he needs at least another year or so to develop, see what he can do at McLaren, hopefully start to get his first podiums, maybe even a win and then reevaluate. But I do think come 2024, assuming Oscar kind of continues this trajectory, he will probably be the hottest ticket for next year's Silly Season, if I had to guess.
1: Agreed. I think for 2025, if McLaren hasn't renewed him by then, he's going to be a hot ticket. And it's a good point about the Red Bull connection because Oscar is managed by Mark Webber, who drove Mm -hmm. at Red Bull with Vettel, is very connected to the Red Bull family. Yeah. Uh, Oh, wow. I don't think think it'll happen. Making me think.
0: (laughs) I don't think it'll happen this year. But again, anything is possible. We'll see. I mean, Red Bull has an absolute rocket ship. Like it's probably a hard thing not to consider for drivers who, you know, are in the running for that. I want to go back to Stroll because I think it's it is an unknown contract length. We know his his dad is the boss of the team, so there's been some job security on that front, but there are other investors and other owners. Lauren Stroll does not own the entirety of Aston Martin. They're shareholders to please. And it has been no secret this year that Stroll has not performed at the level of Alonso, which is a tall order. He is a two-time world champion, but it has kind of made it that much more obvious. So I'm curious what you guys think on Stroll's future um, and potential contract next year. Will he stick around?
1: I, I personally think Stroll is locked in for at least a few more years. I think probably another driver in that situation is less kind of connected to the team. They weren't able to at least come a bit closer to Alonzo by the end of the season. They'd definitely be more in danger. But I think given Scholl's connections to the team, given that his dad really is kind of, even if there are other investors, I think the main face of the team, clearly wields an enormous amount of power within the team. I kind of think he is going to be at Aston Martin for as long as as long as long he wants.
2: Yes, Sarah, I think that totally makes sense. I think that's kind of the camp that everyone's going to be in. Plus, could you imagine Stroll driving for another team? Like, what, Doesn't that just feel weird? It feels like a cat walking on its hind legs or something.
0: I don't see him going to another team, but – yeah, I don't know. I think on balance I'm also in the camp of at least another year or so, but I think it will be difficult. Uh it will be difficult to to see him stick around for too much longer if he's not getting the results and he's next to someone like Alonso where the gap is so so obvious.
2: Yeah. One person I kind of want to talk about too is Sargent because I don't know, I feel like sometimes rookies they have Unreasonably high, or people have unreasonably high expectations of them, a la Devries. But I think he's been doing a good job in the Williams. So, do you guys think that they will renew that contract with him?
0: Yes, I do. I think it's, it's interesting to have three rookies. Sadly, only two the now. But I feel like Devries was underperforming. Oscar is overperforming, and Logan is kind of performing at the level you would expect a rookie to perform. He's showing some speed. He's not having these crazy crashes. He's definitely made some mistakes, but not, you know, sort of like Latifi level or Mick level. And I think Williams is a much friendlier team for a rookie where they allow you to sort of develop for at least a couple years to see where your potential lies. And I think Logan has that. So I think he's, I personally think he's safe for at least another year, but I guess I'm
1: curious what you guys think.
2: Uh, no, I think, Tiggy, I think that makes perfect sense on, on Logan. I think we'll see him for another year.
1: I'm kind of curious about kind of the midfield here. So we've mentioned Ocon and Gasly. Botas is set through 2025. Mentioned. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like the Alpine drivers are set. I think even though there's been a lot of frustration here, Pierre only moved last year, which was a really big move for him. I think... I guess Ocon, in that sense, is a little bit more of a wild card if he had an opportunity to move since he isn't such a recent addition he has been working with the team for years and kind of struggling first. or Not necessarily struggling, just not having the best of times. First against Alonso. their horrible reliability problems. Then this year, just a lot of strings of bad luck. But do you all think there are any other
2: potential opportunities for him? I can't really think of where he would go. What if you went to Aston Martin I'm back with Alonso? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be hilarious. No, I, I agree with you, Sarah. I think Alpine drivers are locked and loaded for next year. I would be shocked if either of them moved. I think Alpine, despite their bad luck, definitely has delivered a relatively fast midfield car. And, you know, if they can just string together a good weekend, you know, consistently without bad luck, I think they're – I think there's potential for both of them. So, I don't think there I don't think there's going to be movement there personally. One thing that is a, kind of interesting is Botos to me. So, I know when he moved from Mercedes, he was super excited about the idea of having a multi-year contract because at Mercedes it was, you know, it was stressful every silly season for him, every single year he just didn't have that kind of seat security. And he did end up getting renewed, but it was always these one-year deals. I'm interested to see what he does. I know his contract is through 2025 and he has, I think, made some comments about wanting to race for Audi when that becomes Audi in 2026. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he retired at some point. I don't know. Maybe not, Maybe it's too soon to even say that. But I just I feel like he's got a lot going on in life. And I I don't know. I feel like he's had a frustrating year and a half.
1: Yeah, and he's really still quite young. He's younger than Ricardo. He's only thirty three. Um, uh, but I think you're right. I think it could it could veer into kind of a Vettel type situation where even if they're still in their mid thirties, able to perform, could stick it out. If you have so much else going on and so many off track interests, and you're just kind of grinding every weekend in a car that's struggling to get out of p one, I do I do see that point, and he. He has so many roads to cycle. There's so much <laughs> out there for him. Yeah, one thing I'm really interested in is K-Mag because yes. he's up for renewal. And Nico Hulkenberg has been, I think, really consistently out driving him. And even though we've talked a lot about Huff has a hard time putting a clean weekend together and a hard time converting pace into Sunday performance, Hulkenberg has been repeatedly out-qualifying K-Mag. Holkenberg had a great Q3 appearance last weekend. So, I mean, it's never a great time when your contract's up for renewal and your teammate's
2: outperforming you. Do you think if K-Mag was to leave, do you think Haas would try to slot that in or slot in one of the existing drivers or try to go for someone completely new? I don't feel like Haas is one for the rookie game. I um, actually
1: think they would go for a rookie. Okay.
2: Tell me more. I think,
1: I I think, basically they now have kind of two older reliable hands. They knew when they were getting Holkenberg back that they were getting, um, sadly not a podium placer, but someone who, over the span of a decade, has shown that he is a consistent, reliable, relatively fast driver. But there were kind of no uh, illusions that Holkenberg is some generational talent that's going to just whip out a ton of speed, be putting kind of a hoss up towards the front of the grid, pulling off miracles like that. But now that they have that older, reliable driver, they can at least count on to be performing at the car's level, which was really the concern kind of with Mick of the, incons- the inconsistency, the unreliability, that kind of opens up space for them to take a bit of a gamble on a rookie in the hopes that they could kind of source that next generation talent like someone who's 21 22 I don't know I feel like there's there's a lot of potential for that seat
0: I agree. dare dare we
1: say an American
0: <laughs> dare we say an American I don't know if this is way too spicy of a take but could Toto maybe pull some strings for Mick and see him back in the seat
2: <laughs> I don't think' that's that spicy guys I think Toto's it is really pretty spicy looking, I think Toto's but... really looking out for Mick
0: so he's I mean put the team on his back in that, with that simulator That's and true. doing a lot of work for Mercedes. I mean, so let's really quickly talk about a couple of the potential rookies. So we have Red Bull junior, Liam Lawson. We have Alex Palou, who is this IndyCar star right now. And we have Felipe Drogovic, who was last year's F2 winner. He's an Aston Martin reserve driver, also alongside Stoffel Van Dorn. So I, I wonder, do you guys think any of those have a chance to potentially slot up into a seat?
2: Well, after what we were just saying with Haas, maybe Alex Palou could go to Haas.
1: Or Felipe Drugovich. He's also widely regarded as super talented. I do think Haas, if they're trying to push the American angle, would be a really smart move to go with an IndyCar driver. Yeah, And I think, did Colton Herta never get enough super, super license, license
0: points? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Paloo, I think, is winning IndyCar this year. That's a pretty easy – at least is winning right now. It's a pretty easy sell to kind of investors or other people who might be concerned about driver choices. I think that's that's a good option for them.
0: Anything else or can I move to hottest silly season take?
1: Okay, I think bef- before before we get too spicy, Tiggy, no, let's, let's get I just want to ask what you think <laughs> is up with the Lewis negotiations and also w- – assuming the deal gets announced soon what longevity you're expecting here
0: um that's a great question i think i do think it's probably what we were suspecting before these maybe more smaller contractual things around merch and revenue share and stuff like that i do think it's in the hands of lawyers i i think that it will be announced but i guess you just you never really know but I do think Lewis will sign. He will be at Mercedes. And in terms of longevity, I think it will say multi-year without specifying a time frame. Um, I don't think we'll get an end date on Lewis's contract personally. That's a good one. All right.
2: Hottest silly season take. Let's hear it. Okay. Uh, mine's like an incomplete thought, but my gut is telling me that one of the Ferrari boys is going to jump ship. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Which one? That's why I said it was an incomplete thought. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Come you know on, be spicy.
0: It's Charles, I think. Okay. Sarah?
1: This is a bit more of an extended Silly Season take, because I don't think it would happen until the off offseason um, or even next year. But mine is that in some point in the next calendar year, Daniel Ricardo takes a Checklist Seed.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: We were going for hottest. That's take, good.
0: So. That's good. Ooh, hottest take for me. I think that's pretty hard. I mean, this isn't hot, but my I guess hot take is that this silly season is going to be relatively uneventful. I think 2024, 2025 silly seasons are going to be Buck Wilds and that we're just going to have a little bit of a, a slower year. I mean, Danny obviously was big news already, but I think we're going to have less movement this year. But if I had to go, with a really hot take, I would say Stroll loses his Aston Martin seat.
2: I think that's a good one. Bada-bing,
0: bada-boom. All right. One last race before summer break. We will see you on the other side for a recap. And don't hold us to any of these hot takes or predictions.